Hey, James, that was a great interview we had with Lori today, right? I mean, this yeah. whole idea of of uh, terminals versus POS systems. I think we've been so imbued in talking about POS systems for the last several years, or right. at least the last year or two, that we've, we've kind of ignored that there's still a big market out there for terminals, which Lori is going after. Well, and, and there's not only a big market, but there's innovation, right? There's yes. new things, new things happening. Yes. And so for those of you that if you place credit card terminals, uh, you're going to want to listen to this. It's actually pretty interesting. Some of the uh, really cool advances um, in mm -hmm. that way. And then um, I dive into questions from the field. And I've just had quite a few conversations lately around mindset. And so it's very practical. It's not fluff because that's just not who I am. But I talk about the practical side of having a positive mindset and how that kind of comes across or should mm -hmm. come across in a sales context. And then Patty, I thought your insiders was uh, really interesting today. So tell us about that. A yeah, little. we talked about, you know, um, Intuit's latest play to try to undercut the ISO market and what ISOs can do to make sure that doesn't happen. Love it. So before we dive into this one, I do want to mention that Lori uh, and Hipfinity, that is a paid sponsor, not only uh, for myself doing some consulting work with them and partnering with them in that way, making training videos and all that, but also a sponsor of the podcast. And so um, this podcast is sponsored by Hipfinity. We're very proud of that. We love, you know, one of my favorite things, Patty, is finding companies. I usually have about five or six, maybe seven right. that I'm working with where I'm like, this is something pretty cool that they have to offer. I think um, it is, yes. And that's that's the case with Infinity. And so I've been talking to a lot of ISOs and they're like, James, like, you know, they have some issues with the smaller, medium ISOs on support and all these different things with Terminal. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. So Infinity is a paid sponsor, but with that in mind, let's dive into this interview with Lori. Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Hey everybody, Patty and I are here today with Lori Pagnazzi. She is the CEO and Chief Disruptor over at a new company called Hipfinity. How are you doing today, Lori? Good, great, James. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Hey, Patty. Hey, nice to see you, Lori. You too. Yeah, so we're really excited today to talk about something we don't talk about nearly enough, and that is the credit card terminal. So in our industry, a lot of people are like, oh, we got to talk about point of sale. We got to talk about tablet POS and all that. And yet at the same time, there are thousands and thousands, really tens of thousands of these terminals that are being placed on a monthly basis throughout the US. And so today we're gonna to talk about advancements that have been made there and what both ISOs and merchants are looking for from a credit card machine, from a credit card terminal, uh, with Hipfinity being the, the newest uh, you know entrant into that market and providing a really unique solution there. So before we dive into all that though, Lori, I'd love to get your story to our audience. So give us a little flavor of how you got into this crazy industry and, and kind of your journey to where you're at today. Oh, wow, sure. Well. Um... So I'll tell you a little bit about myself. My journey started like another lifetime ago, it feels like, in the card issuing space. Um, so I worked for Chase Manhattan Bank NA back when it was Chase Manhattan Bank NA mm -hmm. uh, in the card issuing space. And then that was a time where a lot of the, the banks were um, merging and acquiring one another. And uh, there was a, a lot of acquisitions going on. And so I found myself from there um, it, being recruited to a, a payment solution provider. So it wasn't, I went from issuing to providing solutions to ISOs and acquirers. So it was like the other side right. of how things worked. And um, so I worked there, I actually worked for a very successful, at that time, and again, I'm going back, it was, um, there were three main providers, I would say, in my opinion, there was Verifone, Lipman, which mm. is who I worked for, and then Hypercom. Those were the three names at the time. Yeah. So um, after years of working with Lipman successfully in the Nareet product line, they um, were bought by Verifone. So there was a, an acquisition there by Verifone to Lipman. And so then after that, 
um, I was asked to be a, a partner and a founder of a, a brand new solution provider company and uh, kind of do it everything that had been done at Lipman, kind of go in and do this all again and, uh, right. you know, uh, with a, a lot of lots of different technology on, on the way. So I did that. And that was in 2006. And I stayed there 17 years, uh, built a great company, uh, good products, uh, good people over at Deja Vu Systems. And so last year, I found myself in a position in my journey and in my career where my vision um, was slightly different, where I wanted to be more of a solution provider that was for the ISO, for the agent, uh, with them in mind, knowing all of those years of what their pain points are and right. you know what their wish list is, knowing that I would be able to deliver that to them and be more of an extension of their sales and their success. And that's when Hipfinity was born. Yeah, I love it. That's awesome. I, lo I love your your background going all the way from the issuing side. And then I actually didn't know about the Lipman uh, thing. That's interesting. I actually, back when I started, I sold a lot of Nareet uh, terminals. That's how, that's I'm dating myself a little bit now, but yeah. that's, I was selling those. And I probably for the first like six, eight months in the business, I was selling, um, you know, the Nareet and then the Hypercom, you know, T7s and stuff back then. So yeah, it was um, wild. And usually yeah. I lose people. And in, in when I say chemical bank, that's what they look at me like. Who, <laughs> right. um, who was chemical? Yeah. Who was Manny Hanover? Yeah, Manny right? Hanover and all that stuff. Yeah. But that's yeah, great. it's been an, an incredible ride. And, and uh, you know, and then that was where I had met my colleagues when we started um, Deja Vu was right. from the, the Litman team. That's and so cool. So that, that, you know, that, that went really well. And now Hipfinity yeah. is the new vision and, and the new journey that I'm on. And I have, I feel really, really good about it. That's fantastic. I love the story. Exciting. Yeah. So, you know, again, I, I alluded to this earlier, but I want to get your thoughts on this. I mean, when we talk to payments people today, you go to the regional shows or the ETA transact or whatever. And, you know, there's not a lot of people that are, you know, talking about credit card terminals. A lot of times it's, oh, point of sale, it's integrated this, it's integrated that. But what are you seeing as somebody that's had a lot of years of experience and now dealing with ISOs with this new company, you know, uh, placing terminals, all of that. How do you feel about the, you know, placement of terminals and that market over the next 12 to 24 months? Like, where do you see this going? It's still a very big market. And I know when I talk to, to clients and I talk to ISOs and colleagues at these shows, that the thought is that terminals are no more. Terminals are going away. Right. And and even if that's so, and that's that's the progression of our space, the terminals are sales are here right now. They're not going away tomorrow. Right. That whether it's a standalone, it's a gateway, it's a semi-integrated. The device is still still required. The card present device is, is still there. For the, it's not required. It's, it's it's popular. Right. As opposed to, um, you know, like a phone or a tap on glass. It's popular to place a terminal, I should say, not required. There, It's a it's a card vehicle for somebody to, right. to a consumer to tap their card or insert their card. So I think that for right now, I mean, there are thousands and thousands of terminals a month that are being sold. And, and being bought. So the, the market is definitely not going away tomorrow. Right. And there's millions of merchants out there. So, yeah. you know, we know that they're not all on POS systems. Right. <laughs> and, and, and um, you know, they like the simplicity of, for especially the brick and mortar, they like the, yeah. the simplicity of a standalone or terminal. If they need something more robust, then typically they are going to a semi-integrated type solution um, to the terminal. Yeah, yeah. So what do you think? I mean, I, what's been your experience in terms of what ISOs are looking for in terms of uh, terminal placement experience 
what are some of the pain points that they're facing? Okay. So um, in my experience, and I worked with a lot, a lot of ISOs from the big super ISOs to the smaller office ISOs, um, they're, what they're, they want and what they need is just a reliable, easy to use, easy to install. Mm-hmm. They want something simple that they, it, they spend so much time on their sale yeah. and on building the rapport with their merchants. Right that they don't want to have any problems or any long experiences when they have to just install the, the equipment or drop the equipment. They want to be able to plug it in. They want it to be it to be programmed easily. They want to train their merchant and they want to move on to their next sale. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. don't want to spend a lot of time getting phone calls back and forth uh, because it's, it's either not easy to use or it's not as reliable as they want it to be, or they can't find stuff. So a very simple, um, install something that's going to work that's reliable that they're not going to have to go back and forth with their merchant after finally closing the deal after however many months or or weeks or whatever it took them to build that rapport with the merchant Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah you know i I have to share an interesting experience before my next question Lori. so uh like a week or so ago so i started working uh with infinity a few months back and we've been going through the terminal stuff and so i was shooting some videos last week and I had Lori with me on this Zoom. And of course, I've seen every terminal out there. You know, I've done videos on every terminal that exists, basically. And uh, so I was like, hey, we're checking out the dual pricing functionality and some of this kind of stuff. So she's making this change on the back end. <clears throat> and she's like, you know, I see her clicking like update. And my the terminal sitting in front of me from Hitfinity. And it dings, you know, like, a, like I got a text or something, you know. And I was like, what was that? And she's like, that, that was the update. Yeah. I was like. What? What are you talking about? Like, I'm so used to you make a change. And then I was like amazed when I saw the technology a few years ago where you could like actually click a button on the terminal and like do a download, you know, from right. a change that you made on the back end. And it was like, wow, that seemed pretty cool. It takes like five minutes to reboot the terminal, but it was nice that it, you know what I mean? I could do that without having, you know, but then it was just like, ding, didn't restart. Yeah. Then it just yeah, it's instant. It's almost instant. Yeah. Um, and, and that goes back to your question about pain points. Right. So that's what the, the, the ISO wants. The pain points that they have, uh, I addressed with the, the push instead of um, a pull. So on a typical install, um, what you'll see in the industry is that the terminal will initiate the download, you know, the, the software download, whether it's a software update, which is always going to be software updates to meet new right. requirements, right. Uh, new features added. So whether you're pulling that update from a server or you're changing the merchant configuration, they wanted to add a, a feature, change a feature, you still have to do an update what their existing payment software is. So a typical install, in, in my experience in the past, is a download where the terminal is always initiating to the right. server and saying, is there anything new for me to pull? And then pulling that information to the terminal software. Right. So what Hipfinity does is a push. So as I change that configuration or I add that new software, I'm simply clicking on submit and the portal is sending that data and that update directly to the terminal. And that was the ding that you heard. So yeah. the pain point there is, um, is that the ISO, when they have to do mass updates, uh, there's some kind of a new requirement. And so everybody updates their software. Instead of having to touch every single device or having to walk a merchant through button presses and schedule that, and I've seen it because I've in years of working with it, it's, it's a process. They have to use resources and schedule time 
with the right person to stand in front of the terminal. And then they have to do it for each device that's in, right. in the, uh, the merchant store. So this is a much simpler solution. The merchant doesn't even need to be there. The merchant yeah. just, has to, just, you just have to press submit and the merchant yeah. just has to have their terminal connected right. to the internet. That's it. And it doesn't go to a marketplace or a market. It goes right to the payment software. So there's no need to touch or walk anybody through any button process. Yeah. And I'll tell you the other thing I thought of after we, we were talking, Lori, is I'm like, wow, you know, the other big thing is <clears throat> a lot of ISOs I talk to, you know, they they like being able to make their own changes. You know, they'll, they'll go into the back office and do stuff. And, you know, when they do that, they then are like on the phone with the merchant and they're yeah. like, okay, now click this button. And they're like, okay. And then they will sit there on the phone with this merchant for like five to seven minutes because it has to reboot. And then they got to like run a test transaction or whatever, you know, whereas with this, it's like, uh, yeah, in just a second, you're going to hear a ding. And then it's like, I heard the ding. You're all set. Have a great day. Right. I mean, and, and sometimes you get, then you get your, um, you know, there's always the possibility when you're doing a download of getting an error message. Right. Right. You know, and so then you have to, then there's more button presses and more tests and, and your merchants can get very frustrated and that right. frustrates the, the ISO. Right. And so that is, it's a big, it sounds like it, maybe it's a little thing, but it's, it's really not. It's actually a, yeah. a larger thing, especially if you, you're, there's a software update that's required. Yes. And so it has to be done. So even in what the industry would call um, an auto update today, typically um, what that just means is there's some kind of a timer, there's some kind of a trigger at the terminal where it would still initiate the download from the server, right, right. Um, you know, at, at a certain time or a certain event. Right. So what Hipfinity does is, is it's actually an instant auto update and it's not just software, it's uh, remote keyloads in, over the air keyloads as well. So mm -hmm. you don't have to have the terminal pull anything. It's being pushed, whether mm -hmm. it's a P2P encryption, a, a debit banking encryption, it's all being pushed from the portal. I love it. So, yeah, I think that's really interesting. Um, so I, on the same line, one other question I have on kind of this ISO side. So like um, when we think about the, you know, the needs of the ISO, one of the, the big things is support to the merchant, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. talk a little bit about this, because I think a lot of people don't fully understand this idea of kind of level one support, level two, et cetera. Yeah. And like, how does mm -hmm. that work? And, and how does Hipfinity, you know, how are you positioned in the market maybe differently than competitors? Talk a little bit about, about this. Sure. So um, there are two levels of support and they're level one and level two. And what that means is level one um, is the first point of, of contact. Level two is typically an escalation or, you know, a more complicated issue that requires a more experienced or knowledgeable, um, you know, representation. So um, the way that the market that I've seen in my experience and the way that it kind of moved to is that providers don't necessarily want to do, to use their resources, do level one support. They want the ISO, or in a lot of cases, the super ISO, to mm -hmm. do their own level one support and then come to them with the exceptions, with the escalations, right. because they, don't, they, they, they feel like the ISO should be able to support or should be supporting their own merchant. And they, it's, it, they don't wanna uh, have that relationship, that, that first level of contact relationship. Um, and for, like I said, to, that's it's primarily you're talking about the super ISO, the larger right. ISO, who has those resources and has um, that infrastructure right. to be able to say, I can do my level one support in-house. But that, to me, leaves a, a whole section of um, mid to, to smaller ISOs who don't have that infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Right. 
who can't do that level one support. Right. And as we just talked about, they want a, a reliable, easy to use, easy to install terminal. They don't yeah. want to, they don't want to be tech support reps to their merchants. And it's not that they can, I'm sure they could, but it's just not, uh, it puts them at a disadvantage right. to not have that level one support at their disposal. So I feel like there's an opportunity there. And that's who, um, and I think that the, the, the super ISOs, they work really well with that infrastructure. Right. But I think that it, it's it's, it's a, a big missed opportunity not to be able to service the ISOs, those feet on the street who are going into the merchant locations, who are building this relationship with their merchants um, and not be able to support them and, and be an extension of them. Whereas a lot of times in, um, when I was working with, with those mid to smaller ISOs, you would hear them say, you know, let me get my 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 guys on the phone. Let me get my desk on the phone. And so it's a representation of that ISO, um, you know, of that person, that salesperson saying, let me get my desk on the phone. And so they need that service, that extension, hmm. so that the merchant feels like this is part of their service right. from their ISO, not from their terminal provider, but right from their sale from that. It helps enhance that relationship with the ISO. And I think that's what the yep. ISO opportunity is and i think that there's a a want and a desire for it as well yeah so i think just, it's what just, you're talking about almost is like a like a the iso providing white glove service right? correct yeah. correct and and you know it goes back to times have changed so much but i told mm -hmm. you about a little bit about my journey and in the beginning of my journey there was an emphasis on that let's get back to mm -hmm. sales 101 right, right. find the, the pain points and the need and then be an extension, be it, be tr do training. Um, we used to go out and do trainings and, and Hipfinity is going to do a lot more of that. Again, we want to do more training. We want to do one-on-one -on -one support. If you need a Hipfinity salesperson to, to guide you to close your sale, we're there to help you do that. Because it's my belief, guys, that as a, as a payment provider, I'm not, there. there's a lot of us out there, right? right. You can, an ISO has their choice. And that's important to remember all the time. They have a choice of, of who they place and what, what products they use and services. It's what's going to make you stand out. What's going to make that ISO yeah. um, want to continue to do business with you is the fact that you're, you're there to support them right. while they're placing your product. And I think I've heard over and over again uh, in the past year as I'm meeting with clients that that just doesn't happen in the industry as much anymore. It's hard to get somebody to answer the phone for for an ISO. Well, yeah. I'll tell you the other the other thing I just want to follow up on that real quick is, you know, the other other problem where I mean, let's face it, most of the small medium ISOs today, it's not like it used to be where they had like this one provider. Right. Most mm -hmm. of them have multiple providers, and it's really annoying because they're you know I'm a small ISO, I've got 300 mids, let's say, right, maybe 500, whatever, right, I'm selling 10, 15 a month. Well, <clears throat> when I go out there and I and I get a merchant that reaches out, hey, I have a I have a need, I have a question. It's like, well, who do I even reach out to? I have three different, you know, I'm working with First Data, Tesis, and right. You know, right? And it's like, and then it's like, well, how long is the whole time going to be? And and so what what this does, and one of the reasons I like this idea when we talked originally is kind of like, it's a it's a very unique structure because you're actually bundling the merchant support yes. with the terminal provider, which I think makes a lot more sense for a lot of small ISOs to have one terminal provider you know, one, ta one tech stack that they have to learn as far as the terminal goes and the back right. office and all that. Right. But in order to really make that efficient, 
you then also kind of need the support to run through that for that for the terminal rather than having one terminal that is supported by five different companies. Mm-hmm. What you need is, is and what Hipfinity offers is ownership. You, we right. want to take ownership of that situation that I, and, and support that ISO. So if I need to, to, if my team needs to get TSIS on the line, then they'll do that instead of telling them, and everybody's been in this position um, where uh, unless you're class A, Certified your thesis, which is, is not heard of a lot these days. Right. So um, everybody's put in this position where they they're told call thesis. Their merchants called told to call thesis. Thesis right. isn't supporting it because it's not class A. So thesis will say, you know, we don't support that product, and then you get pushed back to the payment provider. So right. what Hipfinity does is take. Uh, ownership of it. And if TSIS does need a phone call, we're more than happy to facilitate with, with the ISO so that everybody is aware of what the situation is and the situation can get resolved without anybody bouncing back and forth. And there's one point of contact, one resolution. Right, right. Yeah, that's really key. You know? So I'm interested, um, Lori, in, in merchant, in, kind of go back to the merchant um, again, and just get an idea for what kind of merchants would be a good fit for a standalone terminal. And, and, and has this changed over say the last 10 years has this, you know, criteria. Well, and, and I think you're, um, yes, it has changed it. Uh, there are uh, merchants who want the more robust POS system. And we've seen a lot of these POS systems now be, uh, great POS systems mm-hmm. become enterprise POS systems. So I think for that has changed. However, I think that there is still a very strong brick and mortar um, standalone terminal market that, oh, and whether it's it's moving that to gateway, I think gateway is becoming um, more and more mm-hmm. a norm these days as well. But I think that the, the merchant that wants more than uh, gateway reporting or all the, the you know, the, the features and functionality of a gateway or a standalone terminal, you will see them move to a, a small or a medium-sized POS system. But the, there's definitely for the brick and mortar mom and pop businesses, the, the pizzerias, a lot of the pizzerias, bagel shops that are, um, yeah, the, these mom and like a New Yorker. Baby yeah, shops and pizzerias. Um, <laughs> delis, um, small uh, bodega retails, uh, uh, lots of different types of sure, uh, sure. Um, MCCs. Sort uh, of like the traditional. Right. Know. I haven't seen a lot of change in that, right. in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are, there is definitely, like I said, thousands of terminals a month, a month are being sold just on standalone. So there definitely is a need for it. And there definitely is a market for it. Yeah. And I think what's interesting too is, right. So much of this comes back to like the preferences of the merchant, you know, there's, you know, these are people, you know, a lot of times I think, you know, in in the kind of payment tech space, we talk about, you know, verticals and I'm guilty of this as well as anybody else. We talk about verticals as if they're all the same, like, well, let me tell you what pizza shops want. Right. Well, I can't tell you what pizza shops want because there's owners of these pizza shops and some of them, are very tech savvy and they want to have this incredibly robust system. Others, they don't want a rocket ship to land on their counter today. They actually just want to be able to take a card payment and they don't want to mess with the point of sale system. And I've seen that a big time in the auto, you know, auto repair, tire and lube places. Like there's just a lot of businesses where, you know, even though we might think, oh my goodness, I can't believe this business doesn't have a point of sale system. What are they thinking? Well, what they're thinking is, 
they don't like having a point of sale system. They, they wanted to be really And separate. not everybody likes change, right? So right. they don't like to change the way they do things. I had an ISO last month that his merchant was busy bagel shops, three busy bagel shops on the Jersey Shore. Yeah. And they had a way that they did things. Right. And that's the way he didn't want to look at, um, you know, the, the transaction portal and view his reports. He, right. he, we made it so that the report printed out of the terminal. He didn't want his accounting uh, manager to be able to look at the portal at the reports because that's not how they do it. They right. take the batch report and they walk it down the block to their accounting manager's office. And that's how they do it. And that's how they want to keep doing it. And so they did. I mean, obviously we, we configured that for them, but right. it's a difference between what the, he runs. I mean, he was doing tremendous volume. Right. And he had enough to worry about, enough to think about, and he couldn't change his process at that point. Right. Right. And he'd right. been doing it for years and didn't want to change his process. This right. was working. Yeah. And then you have the merchant who says, you know, well, I don't want to do it this way. This way is like archaic, archaic to me. I want a bigger, a, a, a more technologies um, on my side. I want to be able to look at the reports. I want to see the graphs. I want to be able to sort it by, uh, you know, different filters. And so it is about choice. Um, you right. know, and it's not about business so much as yeah. it's about the business person. Yeah, I agree. And I love the way you started off the interview that we we're just talking about, like, you know, is there a trend towards businesses adopting more technology and maybe getting away from a standalone terminal, at least in isolation, right? We see the semi-integration, but is that trend happening? Obviously, we all we all acknowledge that. Of course, that trend's happening. The question is, how quickly is it happening? And I think when you're looking at the small business market, guess what? If for those of you that haven't been around for a while, like, like the three of us, small business owners tend to change very, very slowly. Yeah. And there's this, there's this like never-ending long tail effect right. of you know, businesses that just don't want to change. And so the question is, are you really going to bang your head against the wall and try to, well, you got to get up, you know, if you're not going to buy a clover for me today, then I'm not going to sell you. Really? Like, why don't you just place and, a terminal if that's what they want? You know what I mean? Right. Think of it this way, there are still plenty of merchants out there that use modem in their terminal that don't want to upgrade right. Right. to right. a Wi-Fi or an, an Ethernet, and they still right. don't want to go away from phone line transactions. Right. So you still have to, That's how long yeah. it takes that to step <laughs> and adapt newer technology and newer right. ways to do Right, things. right. Well, Lord, well, I think is... your bagel shop is the perfect example of that, right? Yeah, I mean... absolutely. Yeah. They physically walk that report at the end of the day down to accounting, where all the, the, their accounting manager would have to just log in. Right, and they have everything at their disposal, but that's not how they do but it. But if this has and been working for thirty years, why why change it? And and I'm not going to. And the the ISO felt the same way. We're not going to try and convince yeah. him to right. change something that works for him for all these yeah. years and right. three very successful bagel shops. But right. there are some people out there. I think we all know. You know, it's like, oh, this is this really cool new right. technology. You really have to have it, and if you don't have it, you're an idiot. Oh, sure. And, and, but, but you know what? For those people, I always say anything can be done. Yes. Anything can be done. I don't think that the, I don't think the majority of the, the mid to small ISOs uh, want all, or need all of that technology. Right. But if they want it, it's available and right. anything can be done. Hipfinity uh, you know, specializes in integrations as well. We have multiple ways to integrate, um, you know, POS solutions and third party solutions through our, our APIs or embedded mm -hmm. SDK. So it can be done. It's just um, uh, I find most of the, the small, medium to small ISOs, they also have a, a great need for terminal. Yeah. Yeah. I I love it. It. 
Well, Lori, this has been fascinating. Um, obviously, we can go on talking for a long time about all of this. I, I would love to. Uh, I'm sure that between the three of us, we could share some very interesting stories from the last, you know, decade or so. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, of of terminals and their evolution. But um, what I would love to do is so to clarify here. Um, we're talking about small to medium ISOs who are currently placing a lot of terminals or they're placing some terminals and they're interested in learning more about Hipfinity to become their terminal provider of choice, or at least to try it out and see what they think of the kind of combination of support and the push versus pull and all the things we discussed today. So for those individuals that want to reach out, where would you send them to learn more? Um, they can go to our website, which is uh, hipfinity.co. They can email our sales team, which is sales at Hipfinity. Um, .co. Uh, or um, we also have a support team, which is the hip line. So it's hip line at hipfinity.co. Uh, or they can call call me directly or um, call the hipfinity toll free number, which I can give to you and you can um, yeah, we'll put it. Yeah. Okay. We'll and just so our hipfinity spell it for so that people can. Sure. It's H I P like hip, like always in the know and always right. up with the next trend. Right. And F I N I T Y. Hipfinity. Oh, hipfinity.co. Uh, Lori, thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate you sharing your insights and experience with us. Thank yeah. you. Thank you both. It's been a pleasure. It's been great. Thank you. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by ccsalespro.com, the leader in merchant sales training and technology. If you are an individual merchant sales professional, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash training to get a free 14-day trial of our all-access pass. If you manage a team of merchant sales professionals, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash ISO to learn how we can help you grow. And now, here is Questions from the Field with James Shepard. So Patty, today I wanna to talk about mindset when we're out selling. And um, this is not my normal um, segment. You know, I'm not I'm not the fluff rah-rah guy. That's not really my thing. No. So you probably no. didn't realize that about me, Patty, but... Um, I'm much more the kind of like very practical, let me give you some tips on how to do this. But what I have realized lately as I've been dealing with salespeople and trying to get them, you know, going and training them and, and, and working with ISOs is that, you know, I am just an extremely positive person. Mm -hmm. Um, probably to, uh, I know for sure to a fault, you know, I, I, I like my business partner that I never really talk about that much. Jack. Hello, Jack. He listens to the episode every week. Um, you know, Hi, Jack. Yeah. Uh, Jack, uh, is, you know, he, he offsets me really well in this area, meaning he's uh -huh. generally tends towards being more pessimistic and cautious. And I tend to be extremely optimistic and I just feel like it's all going to work out great. Let's go. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. So, but having said that in sales, right in sales, you do need to be in a very positive mindset because mm -hmm. it is a practical thing when you're talking about sales if you're not in a positive mindset, several things are going to happen to you. Okay. Number one, first thing that's going to happen is the, the, the prospects are going to notice that you don't seem confident. Right. And you're going to come across as desperate. You're going to come across, you know, in, in that way. And then mm -hmm. the other thing that's going to happen is if you don't have this like faith, like, oh, I'm going to get the sale and I'm going to help this merchant then you start to get wishy-washy. You're not real strong on the solutions that you're going to provide. And you're not coming in there as this, you know, this expert. But you could even go back further in the sales process, Patty, to the biggest issue with a, a lack of positivity. And that is that you just don't ever go prospecting in the first place. Well, that's it. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, you're just like, oh, I'm just sitting at home. I mean, I'm, if I'm not going to make any sales, why would I go watch YouTube 
videos right. all day. Exactly. And, yeah. and next thing you know, you're going to be working at a cubicle somewhere um, mm -hmm. because, you know, you, you you didn't get it done. Right. So um, so what I would tell you is a couple of things. Number one is you need to establish and kind of reverse engineer yourself to establish what puts you in a positive mindset and what puts you in a negative mindset. Right. Um, you know, for me, there are certain, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Tony Robbins guy, right. I'm all about Tony Robbins. I'll even throw in a little Joel Osteen if I just need to get a little bit, you know, I'm a Christian. So he's like, you know, the very like overly positive, it's like you're drinking honey or something, but, uh, you know, but, I, but again, you know, have these people, some, a lot of people I talk to it's, you know, Grant Cardone or it's David Goggins or other people. It's a certain music they listen to that gets them going, but whatever it is, you got to figure out what is that thing that puts you into this kind of unstoppable mindset where you're like, mm -hmm. Hey, I'm positive. Here we go. We're going to make this happen. Um, so figure out what that is and then make a habit of doing that. <laughs> okay. You've got to put that stuff into place, especially when you notice yourself being in a negative mindset. Um, if you get started with your day and you know, you have your morning routine, well, even after your morning routine and you've gone into five, six, seven businesses and they've all told you no, or you've made 15 cold calls and you don't have any appointments yet. Mm -hmm. um, the most efficient thing you can do at that point is to stop for 15 minutes and get into a positive mindset. So right. again, you're listening to that video or whatever. And so it, the reason I was thinking about this, Patty, is because this literally happened to me today. Uh -huh. um, so my wife and I, we just have been running like crazy the last few weeks, super busy, haven't had a lot of time to spend just relaxing or anything like that. Right. Um, and we, I've just recently taken on some new things. And so, um, you know, today we both got up and I got up at like five, she got up at five 30 and we were both just like exhausted. <clears throat> and we just were like, Oh man, like what in the world? And she's going to school to teach. and I'm coming here to run the business. And, um, you know, I got here and I spent about an hour in meetings and then I just was like, realized, you know what, this, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have it. Like I don't have it today. Right. right. So I went out, I drove over, got myself a, a you know, fruit smoothie, and in this case, I went to Joel Osteen. I put on my 10 minute video talking about, you know, are you letting negative thoughts into your mind and how to protect and be positive and have faith and all this stuff. And then I, I grabbed the link and I shared it with Christina and she was, cause I knew she was driving to school. She listened to it on the way. And by the time she got to school, she's texting me, oh, I feel so much better. I'm ready to go. And I was like, I am too. I'm ready to go. I'm going to go record a podcast. And so I literally just went through that a little bit ago because, you know, you got to be in that positive mindset. Oh, you do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So just all I would tell you is, you need to be in a positive mindset. And so you need to have that awareness. So figure out number one, what is it that gets you in a positive mindset, right? Uh, what mm -hmm. do you need to listen to? What do you need to experience? Who do you need to, you know, there's people I talk to. I have uh, several mentors where um, one one guy, individual, uh, I, Josh Bryan is his name. Nobody would know him on this podcast, but I worked with him a long time ago and he's a very, very successful guy and just so positive. If I find myself really getting into a bad place where I'm like, man, yeah, I don't know. I give him a call and he yeah, always answers sure. my call. And he's always like, you know, James, man, like you got this, like you're going to, this is going to be huge. You're going to be so successful. Like he's just so positive. It's infectious. So yeah. have these tactics and then know when to use the tactics, know yourself. Don't allow yourself to be the victim. Don't allow yourself. Maybe you're listening to this podcast right now and you're feeling like down the dumps and this is not right, going to work. Right, or right. Like realize that's just in your mind and change your mindset. Well, here's something also that I do. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and I do it in, in many aspects of my life, but it could help, I think as well, is when I'm going into a situation that I'm not quite sure about, you know, maybe, right. you know, maybe it's somebody I have, you know, issues with, or maybe it's, you know, just the subject, you know, right. I sit and I conjure up in my mind, 
something, an experience in the past that made me really happy. Yes. Okay. And then I relive that happiness experience and go for what I need. So yeah. I could see, you know, in a sales yep. situation, sitting in the car, thinking about maybe, you know, how you helped that, how that, that yeah. one merchant was so pleased with what you got them and just yep. carry that positivity with you into the sales call. Yeah. What will you just describe? There's actually a really good Tony Robbins video. I'd highly recommend for those of you, if you want to try something interesting tomorrow morning, go on YouTube and just look for Tony Robbins priming. Mm -hmm. And it's like a 14, 15 minute uh, video experience where he is going through and just, and you, and it, like you just said, Patty, you close your eyes and you imagine these incredible moments in your life mm -hmm. and you think about them and you kind of like, you're reliving that. And anyway, it's this whole, whole process, but yeah, I think that's so good. You get yourself into that positive mindset and you're, you're able to go out there and, and accomplish something and, and get something done. So yeah. Yeah, hey, everybody, stuff, James. Thanks. try something new tomorrow. Get yourself in a positive mindset. You're just going to enjoy your life a lot better. If for nothing, oh, if yeah. no, no other reason, just do that. You're going to be happy. That's a good thing, right? That's a win by itself. So hopefully it works. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by The Green Sheet. For nearly 40 years, The Green Sheet has been the go-to source for news, analysis, and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals. If you're not reading the Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at www.greensheet.com. So, James, Intuit, the company that, you know, is behind QuickBooks, the uh, accounting software you hate to love. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You either hate to love it or love to hate it. I'm not sure. Exactly, which, right? Yeah. But uh, Depends on the day. It depends, yes. So it's out to embed itself further into the financial lives of small businesses with a new service it's calling QuickBooks Money. Yes. Now, you know, when I and I brought this up with you just the other day. I mean, I thought this was really interesting when I saw this announcement because it seems to be pretty much what Nativia is doing. Right. Nativia which banking. is one of right. our sponsors. Yep. But I but you know, I also think it makes it even more evident um that ISOs and agents need to be able to offer this kind, these kinds of capabilities to their merchants, because if they're not, um, they're going to, you know, they're going to lose the, the game, you know, yeah. they're going to have to sense, you know, a lot of businesses, myself included, small businesses are really weary of Intuit's fee creep. You know, I started with, yep, with QuickBooks, what, maybe 15 years ago when it was maybe 50 to $100 a year. Now it's like right. $600 a year and there's right. all kinds of other fees that are always in there. Yep, and, that, um, and that's just the QuickBooks. Then you start adding in if you, if you do your payment processing through them, and now you can do banking do, services. And then they take right. like 4%. No, it's over 3% right. that they're taking, right. but yeah. Right. So um so here's what they're planning. It's an all-in-one electronic payments and banking solution with no monthly fees or balance requirements and a debit card to access the money. Mm -hmm. um, in a press release, QuickBooks said QuickBooks Money targets small businesses that don't necessarily need a full range of financial management and accounting tools that comes with a full-blown QuickBooks, but they want a simple tool that helps them get paid, manage money, and manage money end-to-end. -end. And of course, the hope is that as these businesses grow, they'll eventually sign on for the full-blown QuickBooks. Right. Um, features include invoicing and, and payment requests um, for ACH, PayPal, Apple Pay, or Renmo, same-day funding to FDIC-insured accounts, 1.75% uh, interest on account balances, which is way above the national average. Right. Um, they said, we believe this is a true front door to the future of small business success. 
So I know we talk about this a lot in our commercials, yeah. but I just thought I would do some comparisons of what they're offering. And you know, since I just showed you what they're offering, yeah, yeah. here's what Nativia Banking includes. Uh, cashback business debit cards, automated connections to external bank accounts, secure QuickBooks integration, fast funding on card receivables, the ability to create multiple accounts, virtual debit cards, and authorize users to manage it, to manage cash flow, competitive rates on account balances, residuals which, on banking which, services. Yeah, which uh, one thing I want to jump in there. I mean, the interest rate on accounts, so that's something they negotiate per ISO, depending on account, right. because it's up to the, it's the ISO's program, right? Right. But I can tell you the 1.75% is actually not that high. That's No, that's, it's that's, not. That's something the TV would be able to match it again, depending on what they're doing, but it's a very similar right. thing. So, And I think it's also important, you know, that, you know, you're getting what the TV is offering ISOs is the ability to earn residuals on banking yeah. services. Which is obviously the big, the big difference. A big difference and instant commissions. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, it's awesome. so yeah, I love it, Patty. I think I think what's so interesting about this is what what this what this basically, if you zoom out and look at the larger trend, you're gonna have these companies right now, Stripe, Square, and Intuit. These are these are the three big ones, in my right. opinion. And when you look at them, what are they all trying to do? Well, they're all trying to do these gateway services. And where they make us so much of their money is on payment processing, just like all of us do in sure. this industry, right? And so sure. we're all in the same in the same boat in that in that way. But what they're doing is they're recognizing that by offering banking services, by offering access to capital, by offering these different things, they're pulling in business owners that they otherwise wouldn't get. Right. And then they're stealing the payment processing. Exactly. And and so you need to be offering these services to your merchants so that you can protect them. Mm -hmm. You know, and protect yourself. Exactly. Protect your residuals, right? Because right. that's it. Protect that account is what I'm saying. Because if you right. don't if you don't protect your account, you're gonna lose it. I mean, Intuit is incredibly good at what they're doing right now. Yes, they are. They, they you know, and like I say, they have they have a captive audience really. They do. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah. if you wanna make residual income, you know, you gotta go through like an Ativia banking, you gotta go through somebody that's gonna offer banking services and has that ISO relationship because you know, uh, Intuit doesn't have that. Right. Yeah, so good stuff, Patty. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production of Greensheet.com and CCSalesPro.com. And we hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.